Keaton Hoskins, welcome to the Man of War podcast, aka man, the muscle. Love to have you on here, brother. Hey, man, I'm really excited. I very much appreciate the uh, the opportunity to kind of sit down and spit with you. Awesome, man. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, you've been doing some great things. I've been following you for a while. I mean, you're kicking ass out there. Uh, what I love most about you, and this is uh, uh, what I've seen really that stands out, man. You're just a giving dude, man. You give from the heart. Um, uh, you are a man that has that sincerity of heart. Very few men out there. Uh, can step up and really do, um, you know, what you're doing, giving uh, without really asking for anything in return. You have that type of attitude, which is which is phenomenal. But before we get started, can you do me a favor? Just introduce yourself briefly for some of our audience that maybe does not know who you are. Yeah. Um, so my name's Keaton Hoskins. Like you said, most people know me. My my brand uh, came from the Muscle. Uh, I had a TV show for about ten years on Discovery Channel called Diesel Brothers which is where they came up with my nickname. So for those of you who are listening, who wondered uh, why, why does he name himself the muscle? I didn't come up with that name. That was, uh, that was given to me um, essentially from, uh, from the time I was 21 until where I'm at now, 36. Um, I have been a serial entrepreneur. I've started 35 different companies. Um, and in the interim of that, I, uh, I started the the TV show. We finished that about, oh, I think two years ago. And about exactly a year ago, I started a mentoring program to help people get the most out of life. And that was called Limitless Society. And uh, I still own six companies today, which I have CEOs for, for all of them. And only one of them I really focus on, and that's Limitless Society. I'm, uh, I'm changing the world one person at a time. And that's kind of what I've been focusing on. So that's where I'm at. Love it, man. Love it. Limitless Society. So what is it that you guys do there? Talk to me a little bit about that. Um, you know, I I came up with uh I came up with a new business idea like I always do and I was sitting on a couch thinking why do I keep starting companies? What is it that I keep seeking? I've made great money, I've started companies, I've been successful and I began to to put together this thought process of why don't I help more people? Rather than starting a new company or doing one or two things that help people, I want to help the world. So sitting on my couch with my wife, I said, you know what, I want to make 10 people a millionaire. And she looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. So I got on my social media. I have about 6 million followers. Uh, I got on my social media and I said, you know what, I'm going to make 10 millionaires the, in the rest of this year. I had about six months left. I said, I'm going to make 10 millionaires. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. And then I had thousands and thousands and thousands of messages from people like, well, I know you can do it and I'm in, how, how do I, how do I be a part of this? And so the next day I was like, you know what, I need to, I need to start a mentoring program where I actually teach people how to do this. Cause that's my plan. So I came up with the name limitless society, which essentially is very self-explanatory. I believe that everybody's limitless. You just need to tap into it. And, uh, and then I started a program where essentially I meet with groups and people I mentor both one-on-one -on -one and in groups and I help them become the greatest version of themselves. And everybody's different and everybody's potential is different. But ultimately, what we all should be striving for is not something or someone, but rather our greatest version. And if I could teach people how to do that, that's what, kind of what I want to do, you know. And so essentially, that's what Limitless Society is. It's, it's just me teaching people how to become the greatest version of themselves. Awesome, man. So when you were in that Discovery show, the Diesel Brothers, and I'm looking at this and I'm saying, well, you know, how did you get that gig, man? Out of all things, did someone approach you? Was it something that you had, 
you know, maybe you went to the networks with. Talk to me about that. Um, you know, we started a company called Diesel Sellers, and essentially we built mm. a company out of the giveaway model. Um, in 2012, when when social media was new or newer, we tried to tell the world that it was the new place to monetize and also the new place to advertise. Nobody believed us. So instead of trying to sell these companies advertising spaces on social media and showing them how to do it, we decided to do it ourselves. So we launched a, a social media page called Diesel Trucks for Sell, and it blew up overnight. And we told the world we wanted to show them that we could advertise to the world through social media. So yeah. We decided to start giving away trucks, like really built cool trucks for free. And the only way to get entered was by buying apparel from us. So if you bought apparel, you would get entered in to win the truck. So essentially, we started doing that in 2012, and it blew up overnight. And we became what I mean, social media famous. We had three, four, five hundred thousand followers. And we we realized the more crazy shit we did, the more our social media got bigger. The more viral shit we put out, the bigger oh, sure. it got. So we continued to do that. And Jay Leno saw us and Jay Leno had us out on his show. And on his show, the Discovery Channel happened to see us. And then they fell in love with everything we were doing. They called us and said, hey, we want to come. Uh, we want to film a, a, a pilot episode. And we were like, "Nah, we don't really want to. We were making great money. We were already social media famous. It just didn't sound right. So we put them off for a year. And mm -hmm. then finally, we decided, you know what, let's look into this and let's do it. They came out. They filmed. We did our first season, and even to this day, we are the number one premiering show to ever premiere on Discovery Channel with the most watched uh, episodes. And so it just kind of overnight blew up, and we became the the show, the Diesel Brothers. Wow, amazing! That that's uh, very very powerful. So you weren't even expecting it. It was one of those things where you guys were out there entrepreneurs, uh, you know, trying to make a bank, and all of a sudden somebody shows up at your front door and says, "Hey, man, we want to do something." That's, exactly. That, it was that's, crazy. That's badass. All right. So let's talk a little bit about you. I hear you talk a lot about personal development, about bringing forth the best in another person. Right. And, um, you know, that's kind of like what we do here. Um, you know, we're constantly seeking to reinforce the strength and then, of course, bring up the weakness and train it to be a strength. What do you see in our society that is the main weakness out there? Um, I know that over the last few years, <laughs> we've seen a lot of ebbs and flows, but being that you have a company now that is specifically tailored to bring the best, the best in everyone, what are you seeing that's out there that's really a weakness? I think our number one weakness this is a really great question. Um, I think our number one weakness is accountability. And if I could go one step farther, I would say entitlement. Um, for some reason, we as a culture do not accept our own faults or our own problems or our own failures or our own weaknesses. We're the first to the table to accept all of our successes. And we're the last to the table to accept that something that has happened or transpired is our fault when it's been done wrong. So we as a culture, we like to say, well, we need to get here, but we're not willing to look at why we are where we're at when it's mm. our, our fault. When I look at our, our society and our culture as a whole, I wander around and I wonder why no one's willing to look in the mirror and point to that person as for why they are where they are in their life. Now, most people are living a very mediocre, filled with bullshit, garbage life that is on autopilot. 
and they ask why I'm here. Well, why don't I have the opportunities? Why didn't I get the chance? Somebody else is lucky. And what they're not willing to do is flip that script and say, why am I allowing myself to be here? Why did I choose these things? I think the truth is, and the most, the greatest message I could teach is that you are the sum total of your thoughts. So the way you think is who you are. And where you are is ultimately just a string of thought process after thought process after thought process. So if we can change your thought process, we can change you. But the problem is, is most people are not willing to take the dive into themselves to see that they must change that which they think. So when you ask me, like when someone comes to me and says, well, well what's step one? Step one is it's time to take full accountability that you are where you are because of the choices that you've made. Plain and simple as that. And as soon as you accept that, that's when the work begins. And hmm. most people are not willing to do that, nor are they ready to do the work that it takes to change. Oh, man, you hit it spot on. So over the last five years, um, probably coached, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of seven, maybe 8,000 men. And I am so aligned with you in this because it's unbelievable, right? Accountability is absolutely one of the most important elements that people miss. Now, I agree with you when so many people just think that, you know, somehow the environment around them is why they are where they are. Unfortunately, it's based on their decisions. Like you said, that's what brought them there. Now, the struggle is, first and foremost, and uh, and it's a tough one, but it's finding out where the fuck you are. Because I don't know if you agree with me here. A lot of guys, you know, I'm speaking from a man's perspective here. A lot of men really don't know where the hell they are, even ground zero. They don't even know. They just think that, well, they're, you know, their life is fucked up. They're seeing their next door neighbor take off. He's doing great things, but somehow they're working their ass off, spinning their wheels over and over again, expecting a new result, right? Uh, like they're expecting something magical to happen, doing the same shit over and over again. But going back to what you're saying here, accountability is crucial in everything that we do. How, and this is a question directed right at the heart of who you are, how the hell do people start accepting the fact that, hey, they're where they are because they made those decisions and it's on them. You know, how do they, how do, it's easy to say, hey, start being, you know, accountable, but what's, well, give me a, a few ideas of how you teach people to start accepting, hey, this is where I got here now, from here on, this is where I'm going to work towards. So I'll just give you one. And I think it's the most important one decision that you can make in your entire life. Um, I live by an ethos. I live by a, a, a pattern um, that I believe firmly in. And it's this, I would rather punch you in the face with truth than I would coddle you with a lie. And the reality of that means something really simple. If you really, really seek what we're talking about right now, you got to stop fucking lying to everybody, to yourself, to those around you. You got to stop fucking lying. 99% of the world spends their entire day either in a daydream or in a lie. And they're lying about where they are in their life. They're lying about where their relationships are, how much money they have, what they do, how they live. I mean, all of those things. It's a fucking lie. That's the truth. 
And the problem is, is that most people aren't really willing to stop the bullshit and stop lying and start fucking being real, being true. So then the only thing left, the only beginning is when I make the decision in my own core belief that I will no longer lie, no matter what that means, even if it means I must battle for that which is true. If I make the decision to actually be honest, not only with myself, but with every single person around me, and I make it a part of who I am, I will consistently, daily, on the regular, be confronted with who I really am. And that person is the person that I can now work on because I'm willing to have a real, truthful, honest conversation. The truth is, is if I lie to myself, I lie to everybody else. And to coddle myself with that lie, it allows me to continue down the path of mediocrity that I'm on. So for those of you who are listening, and you know, again, I don't know how many listeners you have, but those of you who are listening to this, listen to this one piece. If you seek to be something greater, you must first seek to be honest, honest in everything. And when you're honest, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to get the shit kicked out of you. People don't like the truth. In fact, the, the inner part of you the part that doesn't like to be uncomfortable, the part that doesn't like to feel awkward and angry, that part is not going to like the truth either. But when you make the decision right now, I will seek to always be honest with myself and those around me, that's when the true work begins. And there's a million other things that I could tell you, but that's it. That's that's step one and that's step 100. You must be honest. And as soon as you make that decision, shit starts to change immediately. And then you can have a real conversation. And I'll tell you right now, for those of you who have never done it, when you have a real fucking conversation with the man in the mirror, an honest one, it's a real fucking emotional conversation. And that's when the true work begins. And that's when you become what you seek. Powerful. Absolutely. So... Let's dial into our society now. You know, we have this woke agenda where weakness is accepted by every man out there. Um, I can give you a little story real quick here, and maybe you can maybe, I would love your opinion on this because, and I've said this story over and over again, and to me, it stays with me. It almost kind of creeps up at me all the time, and I start thinking about it. In one of our crucibles, as well, Man of War Crucible, uh, we had a man who was probably around early 30s, fit guy, really, really fit guy, strong. Um, he was leading the pack pretty much, but getting into the water was very, very cold. You know, the weather was probably in the 30s, um, and one of the cycles, the elements were was he had to get in the water. In the second day in, uh, we're basically telling these guys, okay, prepare your rucksacks. We're going to go into the water. He looks at me and says, no, no I'm... I'm I'm quitting. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going back. He points at that water and says, "I'm not going back into that water." And I look at him and I say, "Is that how you're going to go home and tell your wife and your daughters that you just their father and their husband quit?" And uh, he looks at me. He goes, "Well, I'm going to let them know that you guys exposed my weakness, and I broke, and that's okay. That's okay." So he dropped out and went home. To me, Muscle, 
the story should have been, yes, the water was fucking cold. Yes, you know, they exposed me and I, my weakness was hanging out. But you know what? Somehow I went back into that water and I made it through. I forged through it and I was stronger because of it. And wife, daughter, this is a learning experience. And I want you to know that as your guide and as your leader in the household, this is what I did. That story, I believe, exemplifies so much of our society. So let's talk a little bit about, yeah, man, like people aren't willing to, you know, put themselves in discomfort. They shy away from that. What is what is your take on all that? So um, I wrote a book, uh, oh, I think it was about three years ago on... Um, uh, it's actually a personal development book, but I did label it the the handbook for divorce, essentially, because it was I had just gone through my divorce and it kind of helped me through my divorce. But the subtitle of the book was how to go to war with yourself. That's the subtitle. And the reason I share that with you is because the truth, again, is most of us do not take on the full spectrum of of the idea of what it takes to actually go to war and win against yourself. And there's no way to truly prepare yourself if you're not really willing to be honest about what's ahead of you. When that gentleman that you're talking about broke this off, I don't think he realized what he was breaking off. And I don't necessarily think it was that you exposed his weakness. It was that he was not prepared for the war that he essentially put himself in. So I think... If I were to go back and recreate that entire conversation with that young man or whoever he was, um, the question that I would have asked was, did you not think that this was going to be the hardest thing that you chose in your life to do? And if you didn't, I ask a simple question. Why did you not? And when I think about this on a regular basis for people who are seeking to become better, who, who go to war with themselves and want to become something greater, I would ask the very similar question. Did you not think that when you bit off becoming something greater, that it was going to be a war that is harder for you than you could possibly fathom or accept or understand? And if that's the case, then you must first be prepared to make the decision which most people are not. They're scared to be uncomfortable. They're scared to work hard. And they accept there may be a little bit of this and there may be a little bit of that. And as soon as it's greater than what they currently thought, they give in, they give up, they let go. So to prepare yourself, you should probably, to preface all of it, accept one, one simple fact. This will be the hardest battle, the hardest war that I will have to go through. And I accept what is ahead of me. I may not understand it until I get there, but I know it will be the hardest. So that the conversation within consists of one simple phrase. I knew it was going to be hard and I chose to do it anyways. So I will continue to proceed down the path of betterment. And that's it. Because I decided at some point to continue, even if it meant death. You know, you ask the question, uh, what do I think this culture and this society struggles with? I think that there's not enough people on this earth who are willing to die for what they believe. 
And when you talk about wanting to become better, and, and you ask me that question personally, I'm willing to die before I am willing to remain the same. I'm willing to die before I'm willing to live the rest of my life in mediocrity. And because of that, I continue to progress. And sometimes it is way fucking harder than I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. because I'm the weakest of all. But I'm willing to fight the battle and to go to the war and understand it will be the hardest thing I've ever done. Amen. Love that. Love that. You know, we talk about exactly doing things that you're not going to like that are painful. You know, um, let's talk about self-discipline, doing exactly that. You know, you're, you got to do this because you know it's going to be good for you. And yes, you may not like it, but in the end, it's going to make you stronger. Why self-discipline so kind of frowned upon in our society now? Everything is so fucking lax. We have a society of weak motherfuckers. That's why. Weak will always shun the strength. It, It always will. Darkness will always shun light. The truth is, is that we don't want discipline because we want comfort. We want to be weak. We want to be mediocre. And no matter how much you and I try to press the world to become something better, most of the world will remain the same. They will. They will. And even this podcast, it's not for people who just seek a normal, mediocre life. Mm-hmm. It's for men who are seeking something greater. So understanding that if that's what the society has accepted is to be weak and mediocre, then I must accept that I have to chase that so that I am not weak, so that I am not mediocre. And if I accept those things and I understand that in my journey, I too will be shunned, I will be frowned upon, I will be unliked, I will be hated, I choose this path anyways, then I'm able to proceed down what, what whatever path it is that I seek. Beautiful. <clears throat> All right. So you talked a little bit about that you have an ethos, right? Um, you know, one of the things that we believe in here in our brotherhood is, you know, we have a personal code, the warrior's code, right? Out of honor, integrity, being a man of sincerity, uh, being loyal, uh, doing things in good faith, having sincerity of heart. Um, how does a man build an ethos? Because for me, one of the biggest struggles has been dealing with men who would tell me, yes, they have a personal code, but yet they're dishonorable. They lie, they cheat, you know, and they stab people in the back. They procrastinate. They're not go-getters. They are not, they are not, fuck, you wouldn't even consider them real men in my book. So how does a man go out there and develop this ethos where he could truly live by um, you know, it, it's a tough thing, man. And I wrote a book, you know, it's a bestseller. A lot of people read it. I've done book signings, all this bullshit and people, the same fucking thing. They come to me, I read it. Well, okay, great. But have you integrated anything out of what you've read from these pages? Have you read anything, you know, and it's the same thing over and over again. Men say that they live by a code. Yes. Because, because the book is about living by a warrior's code, but they live by, doesn't exist. So 
I want your ideas here. How can a man really start building an ethos, a code for him to live by? So um, it's funny that you asked this question. So, you know, I told you Limitless Society essentially is a program, a mentor program where I do group training and every single week we get on a call and I teach. And last week I spoke on ethos and how to get your ethos. Awesome. Um, and it was kind of something more simple. Uh, and of course, you know, there's a lot more to, and there's a lot more detail. So of course I don't, I don't want people listening to think, well, that's the only way, but this is the beginning. Um, I, I'm a, uh, I, I'm a huge Bible fan. I love the scriptures. Um, in fact, I memorized the Bible when I was 21 years old, word for word. Um, now since then, I, I don't remember it very well, but I did memorize it once. And I love, love, love a story in the Old Testament of a prophet who's essentially being persecuted for for preaching the gospel, essentially is what it is. And, you know, as you read the Old Testament, it's pretty hard to read through and understand the stories, but that's what the story is. Sure. And he's stuck in the stocks. And most people know what stocks are. They put your neck in and they put your hands in. They throw you in the city. They make you look stupid. And he was stuck in the stocks and they said to him, why do you preach this gospel? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? And he said one of the most powerful phrases I think ever. He said, it's as if there is fire in my bones that I cannot shut out. That there is no one or nothing that can stop me from my beliefs because they are so powerful within me. It's like fire in my bones. And for those who seek to know or understand what their ethos is, you must first find out what speaks to your core, what lights you on fire. Most men are not willing to do that. That's why we have so many weak men. There are things that I have opinions on. There are things I'm passionate about. There are things I love. But there are only a few things that light my soul on fire. And those things dictate to me as a man what my ethos are. And so... For those who listen to this, who don't have an ethos, it's time to find out what lights your bones on fire. What speaks to you to your very core? If you don't know the deepest, darkest part of your soul, you don't have an ethos. And you are able to just flow in the wind to and fro as things come and go. But when you find and truly seek what is in your core, you are able to tell the world what you stand for. And what you stand for is your ethos. It's what you're willing to die for. And truthfully, in all of my opinions, there's only a few things that I'm willing to die for. And those are my ethos. So I would recommend a really simple exercise. I would begin to journal and I would plan on an hour or two. I would write philosophies, ideas, things that I think or I feel. I would begin to go down the path of how well do I really have a conviction of this belief? Was it taught to me? Was it given to me? Was it shared to me? Or is it so deep in my core? that it was there from the very, very beginning of my time. And if it's that, 
That is the beginning of me understanding my ethos as a man. And that is what gives me the power to do what we're talking about right now. Mm. Love that. Love that. You know, we go back to the warrior cultures of old, like the samurais, the Knights Templar, um, the Spartan warriors. You know, they all had, even though their ethos or their codes weren't necessarily written, they all lived by that. And one of the most important things for me has been, you know, I've studied the warrior cultures for the last 30 years deeply. And it, what I see in our society is that we are missing that warrior spirit, that edge, that sense of ethos in, in a man's life. So I'm with you 100% with what you said. Talk to me about your opinions. And this is something that, you know, you're, you're definitely younger than me. Um, so I like to hear it from different generations. What your vision of a man in his household is, I mean, how do you, how do you fit in? How do you run your family? Um, because I come from the old school. I come from the belief that the man is the king of his household. He leads his family. He leaves his, he leads his wife, his children, Everyone is within his framework. You know, he treats his wife as a queen. He treats his kids as guides. You know, he guides them to the pond um, and helps them grow to become, to foster them to become great human beings. That's the way that I was raised. And that's one of my strong, strong beliefs. Um, however, what I do find, and I don't know if you're going to agree with me on this, but strong women that have... Um, that type of outlook in life are very few and far between in our day and age. So this is a two-pronged question about the women, finding these strong women, and how you believe a man's role, what, what, what do you think a man's role is in a household through your eyes? So uh, have you heard the word patriarch before? Mm -hmm. So I believe in patriarchy. Um, and, and what I believe a man's role is, is actually really simple. I believe that the women and children should hearken to the man's counsel as he hearkens to God's counsel. I believe that a, a king or a man should provide and protect, that his job and his duty is to do such, always. I believe that the man should always be the leader that takes care both of financial issues, um, issues of safety and concern, well-being, and leadership roles. I believe that the man is in charge of discipline and teaching the ways of life, the things that are most important. I believe that a man and a king cannot be without his queen. I believe that in a very masculine role, you will have a very feminine role step up. I think that the greatest and most important job on this earth is that of a mother. I just do. I think that their roles are very pure and they are way, way higher than that of a man. But I do think there is very specific rules. A man is to provide and protect and lead. A woman is to care for to cultivate, to teach, to love, to show the importance of empathy and sympathy. A, a, a man and a woman have very distinct roles. And the only women I have ever met in my life 
that have what you're talking about, the, the, the alpha, the leader role, are women who have never had a true leader in their life. Now, I yes. love with all of my heart, I love my mother, and she is a wonderful woman. She is kind of a, a feminist. She she doesn't love, she calls it male chauvinistic uh, culture. Mm -hmm. Now, I love my father, but my father was not a leader. He was not a great provider and not by choice. My father died when I was 21 years old because he had so many health concerns. He just, he died. He died at 47. Mm -hmm. My dad did a great job of providing for us. He did a great job of teaching us, but he left my mom, a single mom of five children. So my mom had to become that which a man should be to take care of my family. Well, I'll tell you today, my mother has softened. She realizes the importance of my role as a man. You know why? Because today... I provide financially for my mother. I retired my mom about eight months ago. I have now provided the type of life that she once deserved from my father because he was not physically able to do it. I give no excuses to not being able to do those things other than that of which I've seen with my father. My father literally was sick from the time I was eight until the time he passed away when I was 21. He provided a very good life. He couldn't be a leader. He couldn't provide all of the things he needed to because he. there were days he couldn't breathe and he couldn't stand. So out of that formed a necessity with my mother to step into a masculine role. And so she is that type of person today. But I tell you this because I have watched her soften into a more feminine role as her eldest son has stepped up into a very masculine leader providing and protecting not only for my family but for her and the rest of our family so she now sees the important role of a man to provide protect and lead and what we have to do and when i say we i mean the select few men on this earth that choose something greater we must lead the generations to come to understand there is a very specific role, a very specific role for a man and woman. They are both beautiful. They are both important. And truthfully, there is one that is more sacred than them all, and that is that of a mother. But the one that is important to me, because I am a father and a husband and a man, is that I must be a king of my kingdom and those who I have under my leadership must be protected, provided for, and disciplined. And as a man, the greater I become in that role, the greater my family finds joy and peace and happiness and success. And that specifically is what our culture and our communities are falling short on. And it is why we are the way we are today. Amen. So listen, the reality here is this. I think it's almost 40% of the households over the last 11 or 12 years. I don't remember the statistics, but I think it was a 12-year gap are without fathers, fatherless homes. Men have abdicated their roles as kings of their kingdom. That's the bottom line.
And as you're saying here, you know, man is supposed to be, hey, provider, a man who will protect, step up and run toward the sound of gunfire, you know, when the shit hits the fan. And a man, not only that, but he can guide his family. I believe truly that most men out there can't guide themselves out of an open door, forget about their families. So without the the ability to be a leader within their household, they tend to abdicate their roles and they fall into their vices. And hence, we have the generation that we have, unfortunately, now. However... I believe there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, men like you who are stepping up, who are exhibiting, right? Exhibiting that action, right? Taking action is crucial. And you're leading from the front. People are seeing you. You have a massive following. You're a great, great um, example for, you know, a generation that is so, so in need of good leadership. So I commend you for that. My hat goes off to you, man. I appreciate that. I, I truthfully, I, uh, I have nothing left to seek for myself in this life other than the betterment of those around me, my children, my spouse, <clears throat> those who I love and those who I lead. And, and my, my goal now is to just become better in every single aspect as a leader and as a father and as a husband and as a man and as a king. Because I understand that as I get better, I can teach those who need what I just got. And the more that I get better, the more I'm able to teach people and the more I'm able to lead people. We have enough shitty leaders. We have enough uh, selfish and horrible men in this world. And I'm choosing to be something much different. And I'm choosing like a savage to lead nations and, and thousands and millions of people. And to do it in a righteous way, the way that I believe that we should. Um, and I fully, fully understand the responsibility that rests on my shoulders, as I believe you probably do too. That's why you have this podcast. But the reality is, is that if we don't, as men, first accept our duty and then accept the responsibility that lies on our shoulders, we will never, ever be able to fulfill that which we've come to fulfill, which is to lead this generation and the next generation and the next generation to what it is we are supposed to do, our roles, which allow us as a civilization to be and do and exist in peace and happiness and joy and success. And, you know, um, you always hear that saying, good times create weak men. Mm -hmm. And weak men create bad times and bad times create good men. Yes. We are in a place right now where we're in good times. It just is. Today's a greater day to live than ever in the history of the world. We must be very, very careful as for what we teach during good times, or we will begin or we have begun to create weak men. If we seek a cyclical cycle of moving towards progression and better times and better times, we must in the good times remind ourselves we need good men. And it takes men like you and I and those who are listening to this podcast to understand the full responsibility that rests on our shoulders to become powerful as fuck. And that right now is all I truly seek. 
to become powerful and influential so that we can change the world from where it's at to where it must be to continue down the path. Yes, 100%. Cannot agree with you more. You know, men like you are going to step up and hopefully lead the way. You know, I've been doing this for a few years now, focusing on um, a lot of people would say the red pill space. Um, you know, I started this podcast five and a half years ago after being a police academy instructor for a decade. I started to see the men that were coming through the academy were weak as fuck. Women were stronger. What the hell? What's going on with the warrior spirit? What's going on with with that inner drive of a man when he steps into a police academy? It's to better himself, to get ready for the violence of the street. And unfortunately, what we started to see was the decay of men. And this is why I started this podcast. Um, and, you know, that's that's where we are now. All right, muscle man. Listen. Thank you so much for being on. Before we go, what I want you to do here is tell people where they can follow you, what you got going on. I know you have an event happening here very soon. You know, talk, let's yeah, talk so, about um, that. Uh, you know, whenever I do these podcasts, I get hundreds and hundreds of messages that people that want to join Limitless Society or even do one-on-one -on -one mentoring with me. Um, the best place to do that is, is one of two places. I always, and people don't believe me until they do, I always get back to my DMs. I always message people from my Instagram. Uh, it's the period muscle. You can get in there and message me and I'll message you back. Or if you just want to jump in Limitless Society, it's LimitlessSociety.com. Now, my event that's coming up in literally exactly seven days, September 23rd, I'm bringing the baddest men and women on the planet to one arena to teach exactly what I'm talking about right now. Um, and to do that, to join that, to come to that, it's the Limitless Arena dot com and you can come in and you can get tickets and i'll just tell everybody listening now if you have the opportunity to come you shouldn't pass it up if you seek a better life if you seek to be a better leader a better king a better man this is an event that will be a pivoting moment in your life it, it just will and if people that are listening want to come i would love to have them come you can message me tell me you heard it on the podcast we'll even give you a, a big discount and we'll get you guys in so that's where they can find me awesome man awesome all right. And guys, go follow him on Instagram. Uh, and if you can uh, get to this event, uh, um, I definitely would highly recommend it. So I'll put all the links on the show notes, uh, both on YouTube and um, on Instagram and, of course, all the other podcast uh, apps. All right, brother. Thank you for being on. we got to do this again for sure, brother. Absolutely, man. It's been an honor.